0: Good day, my friends, and welcome to another Black History Moment with Bo. And today, I hope you are in good health and your life flowing in the direction in which you want it to go. I realize that this is Black History Month. And for some of us, this is a time of celebration. And for many of us that have studied our history, it has a sombering effect because there were a lot of atrocities put upon us that were never, ever put into the history books. But all I can do is try to not let that history be forgotten. To take a silent moment every day for those families that were split up, those women that were raped, those children that were forced to do adult labor at nine and ten years old. So if you must give one month out of the year to our ancestors, then you do that. But don't forget about March and April and May. And in doing that, realize that the same atrocities that were going on back then are going on now. Just with a new face. Our history is not a pretty thing. As a matter of fact, our history is very dark the goal was to observe the natural history of untreated syphilis in black populations but the subjects were completely unaware and were instead told they were receiving treatment for bad blood when in fact they received no treatment at all Starting in 1932, 600 African American men from Macon County, Alabama, were enlisted to partake in a scientific experiment on syphilis. The Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the Negro male was conducted by the United States Public Health Service and involved blood tests x-rays, spinal taps, and autopsies of the subjects. The goal was to observe the natural history of untreated syphilis in black populations. That to me is really crazy, but we are only cattle, right? Because the people were unaware of this and were simply told they were receiving treatment for bad blood when actually they received no treatment at all penicillin was discovered as a safe and reliable cure for syphilis but the majority of the men did not receive it to understand the heinous nature of the tuskegee experiment requires some social context a lot of history and a realization of just how many times government agencies were given a chance to stop this human experimentation, but didn't. In 1865, the ratification of the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution formally ended the enslavement of black Americans. But by the early 20th century, the cultural and medical landscape of the U.S. was still built upon and inundated with racist concepts. Social Darwinism was rising, predicated on the survival of the fittest. And scientific racism, a pseudo-scientific practice of using science to reinforce racial bias, was common. Many white people already thought themselves superior to blacks, and science and medicine was all too happy to reinforce this hierarchy. Before the ending of slavery, scientific racism was used to justify the African slave trade. Now, here's the plain stupid part of this. Scientists argued that African men were uniquely fit for enslavement due to their physical strength and simple minds. They argued that slaves possessed primitive nervous systems, so did not experience pain as white people did. And enslaved African Americans in the South were claimed to suffer from mental illness at rates lower than their free northern counterparts, thereby proving that enslavement was good for them, and slaves who ran away were said to be suffering from their own mental illness. During and after the American Civil War, African Americans were argued to be a different species from white Americans, and mixed-race children were presumed prone to many medical issues. To them, we were animals, properties. Doctors at the time testified that the emancipation of slaves had caused the mental, moral, and physical deterioration of the black population, Observing that virtually free of disease as slaves, they were now overwhelmed by it. Many believed that the African Americans were doomed to extinction, and arguments were made about their psychological being unsuited for the colder climates of America. Thus, they should be returned to Africa. Maybe we would have been better off, my friends. Scientific and medical authorities of the late 19th and early 20th centuries held extremely harmful pseudoscientific ideas, especially about the sex drives and genitals of African Americans. Oh, Here we go again, my friends. It was widely believed that While the brains of the African-Americans were under-evolved, their genitals were overdeveloped. Black men were seen to have an intrinsic perversion for white women, and all African-Americans were seen as inherently immoral with insatiable sexual appetites. I think this always has and always will be a problem with white America. It is something about our sex lives that make them feel inadequate. It was with these understandings of race, sexuality, and health that researchers undertook the Tuskegee study. They believed, largely due to their fundamentally flawed scientific understanding of race, that black people were extremely prone to sexually transmitted infections like syphilis. Low birth rates and high miscarriage rates were universally blamed on STIs or what is known today as STDs. They also believed that all black people, regardless of their education, background, economic, or personal situations, could not be convinced to get treatment for syphilis. Therefore, the public health system could justify the Tuskegee study, calling it a study of nature rather than an experiment meant to simply observe the natural progression of syphilis within a community that wouldn't seek treatment. The United States Public Health System set their study in Macon County due to estimates that 35% of its population was infected with syphilis. In 1932, the initial patients between the ages of 25 and 60, were recruited under the guise of receiving free medical care for bad blood, a term encompassing anemia, syphilis, fatigue, and other conditions. They were told that the treatment would last only six months. They received physical examination, x-rays, spinal taps, and when they died, autopsies. Researchers faced a lack of participants due to the fear that the physical examinations were actually for the purpose of recruiting them to the military. To kill that fear, doctors began examining women and children as well. Men diagnosed with syphilis who were of the appropriate age were recruited for the study while others received proper treatments for the syphilis. At the time, they were commonly mercury or arsenic-containing medicines. In 1933, researchers decided to continue the study long term. They recruited 200-plus controlled patients who did not have syphilis simply switching them to the syphilis positive group if at any time they developed it they also began giving all patients ineffective medicines and ointments to further their belief that they were being treated but as time went on patients began to stop attending their appointments to greater incentivize them to remain a part of the study the public health system hired a nurse named Eunice Rivers to drive them to and from their appointments, provide them with hot meals, and deliver their medicines, services especially valuable to subjects during the Great Depression. In an effort to ensure the autopsies of their test subjects, the researchers also began covering patients' funeral expenses. Many times throughout the experiment, researchers actively worked to ensure their subjects did not receive treatment for syphilis. In 1934, they provided doctors in Macon County with lists of subjects and asked them not to treat them. So even if you went to an outside doctor to get help, the doctors wouldn't treat you. In 1940, they did the same with the Alabama Health Department. And in 1941, many of the men were drafted and had their syphilis uncovered by the entrance medical examination. So the researchers had the men removed from the army rather than to let their syphilis be treated. It's hard not to hate, my friends. It was in these moments that the Tuskegee study, true nature became clear. Rather than simply observing and documenting the natural progression of syphilis in the community as had been planned, the researchers intervened first by telling the participants that they were being treated, a lie, and then again by preventing their precipitants from seeking treatment that could save their lives. Thus, the original basis for the study, that people of Macon County would likely not seek treatment and thus could be observed as their syphilis progress became a self-fulfilling prophecy. The Henderson Act was passed in 1943, and that required tests and treatments for venereal diseases to be publicly funded. And by 1947, penicillin had become the standard treatment for syphilis, prompting the public health service to open several rapid treatment centers specifically to treat syphilis with penicillin, all the while they were actively preventing 399 men from receiving the same treatments. And by 1952, about 30% of the precipitants had received penicillin anyway, despite the researchers' best efforts. Regardless, the United States Public Health Service argued that their precipitants wouldn't seek penicillin or stick to the prescribed treatment plan. They claimed that their precipitants, all black men, were too stoic to visit a doctor, where in truth these men thought they were already being treated. So why would they seek out further treatment? Now check this. In 1965, They argued that it was too late to give the subjects penicillin as their syphilis had progressed too far for the drug to help. While a convenient justification for their continuation of the study, penicillin is and was recommended for all stages of syphilis and could have stopped the disease's progress in the patient. In 1964, the World Health Organization published their Declaration of Helsinki. Both aimed to protect humans from experimentation, but despite this, the Centers for Disease Control, which had taken over from the United States Public Health Service in controlling the study, actively decided to continue the study as late as 1969. And it wasn't until Peter Buxton leaked information about the study to the New York Times and the paper published it on front pages on November the 16th, 1972 that the Tuskegee study finally ended. By this time only 74 of the test subjects were still alive. 128 patients had died of syphilis or its complications. 40 of their wives had been infected and 19 of their children had acquired congenital syphilis. We know all about the evil Nazis who experimented on prisoners. We condemn the scientists in Marvel movies who carry out tests on prisoners of war. But we do well to remember that America has also used its own people as lab rats. Yet to this day, no one has been prosecuted for their role in dooming 399 men to syphilis. There you have it, my friends. There it is. All of our ancestors and relatives that died during this. And this is what we're supposed to celebrate this month? It brings brings tears to my eyes. And you wonder why Black people aren't kicking the doors open to get that coronavirus shot. We know it was the CDC and the public health system that did this to us. And we will not forget. And we will pass the knowledge on. Until next time, my friends, it has been my honor.